0: Hey, Mama! Welcome back to the Joy Filled Mama Podcast. I'm Jenna, Jesus follower, coffee lover, and tiny human raiser. If you're ready to reclaim joy in motherhood, find purpose in your season, and learn how to embrace life as a fully connected, fully engaged, truly joy filled mama, then you've come to the right place. Together, we will dive into the struggles we face in postpartum and motherhood reveal truths that will carry us through the hard stuff, and discover the joy-filled life we were meant to have. So refill your coffee, throw that AirPod in, because I know you're probably multitasking a million and one things right now, and let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode of the Joy-Filled Mama podcast. I am so excited about this week's episode, but first I wanted to read our review of the week. So today's review is a five-star review from Shani and it says, amazing. This podcast speaks to my soul. My daughter is six months and I can relate to everything Jenna talks about. She has helped me remember my purpose and be thankful. I recommend to all Jesus-loving mamas. Thank you so much, Shani, for your review. It means, I feel like I say this all the time, but it really does mean the world to me when you guys take the time to leave a review because number one, I'm a words of affirmation girl. So reading your words just gives me so much life. And number two, it just makes me so happy to know that the things that I feel like God is speaking to me that are, those things are resonating with you. So thank you again so much for leaving a review and go ahead and DM me on Instagram at jennagriffith.co and I want to send a gift to you just to say thank you and thank you for supporting and thank you for reading a review. So DM me on Instagram at jennagriffith.co so that I can get a gift in your email. This week's episode is something that I've been looking forward to for a while. So a couple weeks ago, if you follow me on Instagram, a couple weeks ago, I polled you guys and asked, what are some things that you wish you would have known when it comes to postpartum recovery and all the nitty gritty things that I feel like nobody really talks about? I know that at least for me, so often I hear people say things like, I had no idea this would happen. I had no idea I would go through this. And we prepare for pregnancy and we prepare for baby. And honestly, I feel like we kind of do each other a disservice by not really talking about all the things that we go through postpartum, whether it's physically, whether it's emotionally, we just don't really talk about postpartum recovery at all. And i that makes me sad because we need to help each other out and we need to equip each other with as many tools as we can, even if it's hard to hear and it can be a little bit scary to hear. So that's why I wanted to have a fun and candid conversation today about some of the things that I've experienced and some things that you've experienced. And I just thought it would be a fun fun way to kind of give you some insight on what postpartum recovery looks like. So, if you're an expecting mom, if you're newly pregnant, or if you're a new mom and you're in the middle of the postpartum nitty gritty season right now, then this episode is for you. And I thought that talking about this would be way more fun with a friend, so I invited my friend Ashley to come on and join me today. Ashley is one of the reasons why I love Instagram. We met through that app and now have become friends. And here we are today recording a podcast episode for you. So Ashley is a worship pastor's wife. She's a mama of two under three, and she's a writer. She's passionate about encouraging moms to be deeply rooted in Christ and abounding in thanksgiving for the glory of God alone. She's a Chick-fil-A addict and loves all things cozy And her happy place is being snuggled up with a book or watching a movie with her family. You can learn more about her on Instagram at Ashley Sutterland. And I will include all of her contact info, where you can find her, all the goods on Ashley in the show notes. So be on the lookout for that too. So Ashley, say hi. Welcome. What's up, everybody? I'm so glad to
1: be here. Thank you for having me. I am so
0: grateful that you agreed to come on. Um, I don't know if I've ever, I don't think I've ever told you this, but you, I wanted you to come on today because I wanted to introduce the listeners and the people who are the moms who are listening to this podcast. I wanted to introduce them to you because I have been so encouraged and so uplifted by the words that you write, whether it's on your Instagram captions or, um, just in your everyday, I feel like everything you put into the world is just encouraging and uplifting and points me back to Jesus. And so I know that the people who are listening to this podcast will find so much value from you. And so that's why I wanted to bring you on. And I thought this would be a great opportunity because our kids are actually really close in age. I'm pretty sure your daughter is almost three?
1: Yes, she is almost three, and so she'll be three in just a few months, and then my son literally just turned one, and I think...
0: Yeah, and Birdie's turning one. Yes, yep. So I think I looked, I went and stalked you, and I looked, and I think that they're like a month apart, almost to the day. So that's really funny. I love, I think it, this also, I why I wanted to bring you on is because we've both we have four postpartum experiences between the two of us under our belts and they're very pretty recently you know so I feel like we've been through it and it it's fun to kind of just talk through it with a friend so I am going to just read off some things that you guys responded to in the question box that I put up Instagram a couple weeks ago and then we're just gonna kind of um, give our tips give our advice maybe laugh through it because honestly a lot of postpartum is like laugh so you don't cry (laughs) at least for me (laughs) okay yeah for real so okay let's see the first one is hemorrhoids hemorrhoids
1: (laughs) Just starting
0: right out of <laughs> <laughs> we're not gonna ease into this we need to dive in full speed ahead let's talk about hemorrhoids I had no idea that hem- I thought hemorrhoids were like an old lady thing percent.
1: Me
0: too. <laughs> I had yeah. no idea that 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 I like ugh. and then having to figure out like I was not prepared and then I had to like scramble to figure out what do I need, like buy the tucks and do the, all the things because I just didn't even know how to heal them. I don't know if you had that kind of experience, but I sure did.
1: No, same. It was like the most shocking experience because I didn't even really know like what they were or what that was. Like I'd never really heard of it before. And then you know, I'm just, like, sore and stuff, and, and uh, my doctor comes in, they're, like, checking things out, and they're, like, okay, so this is what's going on, and so we're going to give you these little, like, pad things, and they're going to really help, and so then I'm, like, okay. So you didn't awesome. even know sitting,
0: for a while.
1: Yeah, didn't even know that that's, like, what what that was.
0: I feel like I remember not re- not really knowing exactly for a little while, and then it kind of dawned on me, like, oh wait, that's what this is. That's why I'm still uncomfortable. Yeah, that's rough. But yeah, as far as my advice for hemorrhoids, I would say expect it. If you're expecting it, then you'll be pleasantly surprised if you don't have them. <laughs> um, I used like tucks in my diaper I I like the postpartum diapers um but I just put like tucks, and I can't remember what else I used I don't know if there was anything that you used that helped yeah
1: I used that as well and I can't remember the name of it or anything, but actually at the hospital they gave me like some sort of a cream or gel or something too. And I put it like on to the yeah. tub as well. Yes. And so I didn't use that like the whole time during healing, but right at the beginning mm-hmm. it was like extra helpful. So yeah. maybe if you're experiencing that you can just ask your doctor about it and they'll know what the cream it is that yeah. I'm talking
0: about. Yeah. I feel like yeah, I definitely um doubled up on like I would layer like I made like a oil spray with like lavender and witch hazel I think and then I would like layer like tux and then spray that and then like it's like a whole concoction of (laughs) in my in my diaper (laughs) so let's see Let's talk about breastfeeding a little bit because I know that's something that can be kind of a tender, um, mm-hmm. a tender subject for people because, and I think there's a culture of like having to choose, having to be on a side. Like, are you a breastfeeding mom or are you a formula mom? And I'm like, you can be whatever you feel like is best for you and you can change your mind like
1: yeah I think that's huge like giving moms the freedom to be able to change their mm -hmm. mind it's so powerful I think so empowering yeah and, and just so important yeah yeah
0: I agree I I know from my experience I um I went into it the first time around like with resolve like I am going to breastfeed that's what I'm gonna do. I there's no reason why I shouldn't. there's no reason why I wouldn't. and and then I had a lot of hard, I had a really hard postpartum recovery, had a hard labor with miles um, and I had some I didn't l- get him latching correctly in the hospital, which if I would say if you want to breastfeed, get that latch perfect or as close to perfect, like, from the very, very beginning that they start nursing because the latch in the beginning really changes everything. And so I, we had some latch issues and then I was super weak and um, just so many things. And then I um, ended up, like, two weeks in deciding I don't want to nurse him anymore because I I was feeling like I was dreading feeding him and I wasn't feeling attached to him. And I was like, I would rather enjoy seeing him, enjoy seeing my baby, than just persevere for the sake of breastfeeding. So then I went to pumping exclusively. And then a couple months after that, I went to formula. And, and so I've had, after that experience, I have so much more of a grace for and just an appreciation for moms who just go into it with openness. And, like, you can change your mind. Be be determined, but also be open is kind of how I would say to go into it.
1: Yeah, I think that's great advice. And I think, too, it just – it really depends on, like, what things – what components of motherhood are, like, really important to you. Yeah. Um, like, for example, some people – like sleep is super super important to them. So they're gonna do what they need to do for like sleep training and stuff like that. And for other people, maybe like breastfeeding kind of falls into that category. Like Mm -hmm. for me, that's my experience. It was always just something that I really, really wanted to do. And I didn't really know why either. I just I just felt really passionate about Mm -hmm. wanting to make it happen. Kind of like you were saying when you had your first. And so I also went into it with that mindset of like whatever happens, we are going to figure this out. And, um, and I will say like the one thing that truly saved my breastfeeding relationship with my daughter from the very beginning, um, was a nipple shield. And Mm. I didn't even know that that was a thing that existed, um, before I had her. And it was one of those things that I do remember like the doctor's one came in and, like, introduced it, one of the lactation mm-hmm. consultants, and she was like, we can try this to see if it'll help with that lact situation that you were talking about. Um, but then the other doctors I remember came in and were kind of like, well, you shouldn't use that because right. it's yeah. going to make her really confused and all that stuff. And so I was feeling so torn and, like, all the shame wrapped up in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we decided to use it because it was the only thing that would help her to latch. And I ended up using that for like five months, which everybody told me was not an okay thing to do. And then she got bigger and she got older and she just figured out how to do it without it. And if it weren't for that tool, um, I don't think that I would have been able to breastfeed her. And that was really important to me. And so from my experience postpartum as a mom, um, that was something I'm really grateful for. So if you're a mom listening who's, like, feeling like that and you want to give something a shot that somebody might not tell you about, I would say ask somebody about a a nipple shield.
0: That is such good advice. And I, with, I go back, I will probably be talking about Miles a lot because Birdie was, like, the easiest. Like, you don't want to hear me talk about Birdie because it was just so seamless. Like, I hardly even had any any like pain or cracked nipples or anything with her. She just, um, she was just, she knew what she was doing from the minute she was born. But with Miles, it wasn't that way. And I was, like you said, I was scared to use a nipple shield because everyone had told me that it wasn't, it wasn't going to be good for him and that he was going to get attached to the nipple shield and not, it was going to confuse him and all that. And I think pairing that with Like, my mental health was not good after I, like, for me, the best thing for my mental health was uh, ultimately going to formula. And even in that, there was still, like you said, so much shame. Like, I felt like I was failing him because I was switching to formula. And I remember, like, I remember thinking, like, I never even considered formula. And then I remember one day telling my husband, like, I think I'm going to do it. I think and I remember it feeling like almost formula felt like a cuss word to me. And that makes me so sad because there was just so much shame wrapped up in it. And um yeah, I I wish looking back, obviously it's easy to look back and go, "Oh, I should have done this and this and this." But looking back, I feel like a nipple shield might have made my experience so much different, you know? Um because of latch is- Another thing I would say about latch issues is get your, um, if your baby is having trouble, one, get looked at by a lactation consultant or even just somebody who has breastfed and knows what they're doing. And that's what I did with Birdie. I literally, my mom used to work as a doula. And so I had her and she breastfed. Um, and so I had her like put her on me, like come here and put her on me and show me how she's supposed, to, how it's supposed to feel. And then um, after that, and she actually, we did the football hold for a while, which if you don't know what that is, it's having her like on the same side as your breast when you're breastfeeding. And I had her, um, I would have a pillow with a football hold and that helped tremendously. Um, but have somebody look at your latch and also get your child checked for a possible lip or tongue tie because, um, I, Miles, I, my mother's intuition, I've, I've never, the doctor checked it and they said it wasn't really that big of a deal, but I feel like he had a tie because now he has a gap in his teeth and he has a lot of skin right there that I think was a tie when he was a baby. I think it was a lip tie. So, um, That's another thing, if you're having issues breastfeeding, um, get it, use a nipple shield, see somebody, have somebody look at your latch, and get them checked for a tongue or a lip tie. And know that um, we're not sitting here saying, we're both breastfeeding moms, but we are not like, whatever, do whatever is best for your baby. Yeah, that's like, like,
1: do that stuff if you want to, but but, if you don't want to and you don't care, then... Don't worry yeah, like my pastor We're says, serious.
0: he says, shame off you. And I love that. Like, shame off you. If you feel there is yeah. no shame in that. Like, there's no shame in formula. There's no shame in pumping. I've done it all. I've done breastfeeding. I've done pumping exclusively and then bottle feeding. And I've done formula feeding. And guess what? My child is a happy toddler running around wreaking havoc on the world. And I think that he would be wreaking havoc on the world no matter how he was fed when he was a baby. So, um, yeah, breastfeeding. Um, another thing about breastfeeding, um, boosting, so people talk about boosting supply, but nobody talk, talks about engorgement or oversupply. So there's a lot of, and I can really, I relate to this a lot because I have, I still sometimes, Birdie is almost a year old and I still wake up with like super hard boobs sometimes and I'm like we are a year into this (laughs) I should not be producing this much milk um she's only nursing a couple times a day now but uh I feel like there's a lot of advice that circles about how to boost your supply and how to help your supply and all of that and um like pumping while you nurse and tricking your body into um, thinking that you're having twins, which is great if you have undersupply. And Ashley's gonna talk a little bit about that because she has more okay. experience with that. Um, but as far as oversupply goes, if you, if your milk comes in right away and you are feeling your baby's happy and um, you're not really having issues, then you don't need, If you if you're breastfeeding on demand, there's no reason for you to pump if, you're, if your supply is great. Like, I would pump every once in a while, but honestly, like, I kept just a couple freezer bags for emergencies or if something were to happen. Um, but as far as, like, supply, if you are having – if you're not struggling with your supply, there's no reason to pump. Um, there's no reason to really, like, just – let your body do the supply and demand because if you're pumping and doing it your your milk's gonna produce extra and you don't need extra um and then i did the cabbage trick which if you i don't know if you you guys know what i'm talking about the cabbage leaves on like on your in your bra it actually does help um Which I didn't think it would help, but it helped. Another thing that helps me when I am feeling a little bit engorged is um, I use lavender oil right on my um, Right on my milk ducts right on my breasts and it helps just feel a lot more soothing Um, And be on the lookout for like things like mastitis and things like that because you don't want to mess with that if you are feeling if you have any redness, or you're feeling like you have a fever, or some people have mastitis and they have no symptoms, and it, if so, that like just be on the lookout for mastitis. Another thing that you can do about engorgement is in the shower, um, let the water get really hot and run it on right on your breasts, right on your boobs. Um, I feel funny saying like breasts and stuff because I don't talk that formally, but I'd like. I don't know what, like, I usually just be like, my boob hurts. Come here, birdie. But anyways, um, (laughs) so let the water run right down on your chest um, and kind of do self-massage to um, let it leak out. Like, people, I've seen, I've read people, um, you know, talk about, like, like, I don't cry over spilled milk unless it's breast milk. But for me, I was like, I would, like, massage and my milk would start like spraying out but I had to do that to get my milk ducts to like not be clogged and I, <laughs> I remember feeling like I don't care if this milk is spilling I need it out of me like I have too much I don't need all of this so um yeah if you're feeling like you are engorged and you've got oversupply um just know that you're not alone and (laughs) you don't have to feel bad for, um, for that. Cause I know sometimes I feel like I'm, I feel bad that I just have like this abundance of milk, but, um, that's good. And just let your body do what it's supposed to do. And if you pump to, um, if you pump to relieve your milk ducts, don't pump too much because then your body will think that it's, baby nursing so just pump just enough to relieve and then your supply will regulate um and your your body goes through dips anyways like in the baby's development your um your body will go through seasons where it your supply is a little bit more if the baby's going through a growth spurt like our bodies are insane and they know when our babies are going through growth spurts they know when our babies start to eat and don't need as much milk um, they know when our bodies know everything they know when our babies are fighting something even before us, like it's so crazy to me, but, um, so just trust your body, trust your supply and relieve as you, as you can, but don't pump too much. So that's kind of my, a couple things that I have as far as advice goes for like engorgement and oversupply. Um, and I know Ashley has some experience with the opposite. Oh, uh,
1: yes. Yeah, exactly. I think it, it's so funny when you said that crying over spilled milk because I have one thousand percent cried over spilled milk <laughs> on multiple occasions. Um, yeah, and it like it felt like the end of the actual world. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I get that. And if you've ever done that, or you're going to do that in the future, just know that you're not insane. And it's totally, yeah, not you're cool not to crazy. That yeah. Over that yes. Little thing because yeah. it's a big deal. It is totally. Um, yeah. And so for me with like undersupply issues, a little bit of um, something that I've had to deal with right in the very beginning is, um, is having a hard time getting like my milk to come in fast enough. And so it would be like a struggle. Right when both of my babies were born, you know, they'd be like, "Hey, we need to supplement or do something because you're not producing enough yet." Like you probably will be, but for right now, it's not. It's not enough. And so what we ended up doing um, with the lactation consultant, um, and her advice was to basically just pump like in between feedings. So it's kind of super obnoxious because I was basically like feeding my baby, and then immediately pumping, and feeding my baby, and pumping, (laughs) (laughs) and it was, like, pretty much my entire existence for the first, like, week after they were born was just, like, pumping or nursing, and it was very exhausting, Wow. Um, but as a result of doing that, um, while I was in the hospital, we were able to, like, trick my body into thinking it was having twins, essentially, Mm -hmm. and it made my milk come in faster and then thankfully like you were saying like you go through different seasons and yeah. your supply like goes up and down and then it eventually regulates when when your body figures out like what your what your yeah. body needs and all of that um but it's just something that, that you can do yeah, if yeah you, for sure if you want to
0: it's so funny I love how we have completely opposite experiences like I'm like don't trick your body into thinking it'll have t- it's having twins right. because you're going to be you're going to pay for that and it's okay if you spill some milk it's fine and you're like no the milk is precious i need it all <laughs> That's so funny i love that See and it just goes to show that everyone's experience is so different and honestly like yes. whatever you're experiencing it's normal
1: That's right <laughs> Um yeah.
0: another thing that as far as breastfeeding goes is I would say my biggest piece of advice if you want to breastfeed just hold give yourself small goals like don't start off the bat saying I'm gonna breastfeed for a year because a year feels like forever it feels like eternity when you are freshly fresh out of the hospital newly into all of this so give yourself small goals, like two weeks, six weeks, three months, like small achievable goals. And I would say if you're really determined to breastfeed and that's something that you're like, I want to do this. I want to see this through. Then, um, give your baby a chance to figure it out. Give yourself a chance to figure it out. And I would say like, at least don't quit before like six weeks. I feel like, is a good six weeks in. And if, on the contrary, if you're still six weeks in and you feel like you haven't gotten anywhere, like, that's okay too, you know, because everyone it's all going to be a process and a couple months down the road you'll look back and be grateful that you stuck it out and you'll be proud of yourself for however long you end up breastfeeding. Yeah, I
1: that's good
0: advice. Um, I know that Breastfeeding in general is just kind of a hard subject to talk about because, um, like we talked about before, there's just two teams, I feel like. Um, but ultimately, just know that that whatever decision you make, whatever feeding decision you make for your baby, um, that that it's okay. And if you need to not breastfeed because it's not good for your mental health or you're you're struggling and you need to just have a break from your baby that that's okay and you're not a bad mom for choosing you you're not a bad mom for choosing your health you know and i have had two completely opposite experiences as far as breastfeeding and that whole experience goes with miles the first time around i I had to choose my mental health. And for me, it was better for me to have a break from him. It was better for me to be able to let somebody else feed him. It was better for me to to be able to just make up a bottle for his dad to feed him and for me to just have a break. And with Birdie, it's the complete opposite. I think that breastfeeding has helped my mental health and ha- I love being close to her. And I, I'm like a very attached parent with her. And I, um, I haven't left her for more than like three or four hours at a time, still a year in. And so it just goes to show that every, every single experience is so different. And so if you hear anything today, hear that whatever decision you make, especially as far as feeding goes, but really, with anything, whatever decision you make, it's okay. And that's the best decision for your family. And another thing I wanted to talk about today is not not being able to walk, not being able to stand, um, and how normal that is. Let's talk about that. After yeah. – so I, my first time around, I tore extremely – bad in multiple like areas and I could not sit stand walk I couldn't do anything really and I would see people I had friends who were having babies the same time as me I had one friend who she's like she can go to the hospital pop out a baby in a in a couple hours and then be back home doing cooking dinner that same night like she's just made for it you know and so I would see, so of
1: those yeah,
0: I know, right? I would see people do be like up and at them. And I'm like, I literally don't know how you are living right now. Like I can't even move. So I don't know. Did you have that experience? Like not being able to walk? Was it hard for you?
1: Yeah. yeah so I, I thankfully did not tear like super, super bad, but I didn't know that it was possible to have like your tailbone. And different things down there in your pelvic region, like actually move and shift wow. when you are. I didn't know that birth. either. And so, what happened to me is I actually dislocated my like tailbone. And oh my so gosh. It, I had to go to the chiropractor and like get it put back in and stuff, which really helps. So, if you're still experiencing a lot of what you feel like is bone pain, because I could totally yeah, it is different, like, I'm like, this isn't like something wrong with my muscles, like, yeah. something in my bones hurt. And they were able to put it back and everything, but those like that first week, um, week and a half, I literally could not sit down. Oh my like, gosh, it was absolutely horrible. Didn't matter what position I was sitting in, just so much pain, and I was totally unprepared for that.
0: Yeah, so. wow, I had no idea that you could like. I mean, I know everything shifts and changes, but I had no. I I've never even thought about the possibility of like breaking or dislocating your tailbone that's intense Mm -hmm. I one thing that I did and this is what somebody else said um is sit on the boppy instead of using it for feedings (laughs) which I (laughs) it's a great idea and maybe get two of them so you can use one for feedings and one to sit on I my second um labor and delivery and postpartum experience wasn't as I didn't tear as bad and I had a little bit more it wasn't as hard. I don't I didn't really have hemorrhoids that bad. I didn't um everything was a little bit easier and so I didn't have to I wasn't in as much pain, but the first time, oh my gosh. And then couple that with it just being your first time experiencing everything because we don't really talk about. Nobody talks about the hard stuff. I was so unprepared and then I just felt so like overwhelmed with like Everything hurts down there. Everything hurts everywhere. Everything's like there's bodily fluids coming out of me in every direction, and it's just oh, I it's such a vulnerable time, and it it, if you're not prepared, it can.
1: Yeah. So I did not have unmedicated births, but I totally wanted to. So fun that that you guys have that experience. I'm hopeful that maybe in the future, if the Lord. Maybe one day I'll have that experience.
0: Yes, you can do um, it.
1: Yeah, I have a weird, this is weird, but if anybody is, you know, not bothered by seeing what's going on down there, I think what helped me not tear more was they put like a big, they had like a big mirror in the hospital. I think that is so cool. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah and they asked me before obviously they were like do you want to see and like all that stuff um and at first I was like no I like really don't want to I'm like afraid of what's going on down there um but they were like no I really think it'll help you like with pushing and I was yeah. like okay well let's just like try it I can always change my mind like yeah. we talked about before you can change your mind yeah um and it was so helpful because I was able to like see like what was happening when I was pushing that's so cool and um yeah and I think that that really really helped, um I love that.
0: They didn't even offer product. that to me. I'm I'm a little bit upset. I didn't even know that was an option until like afterwards I would see people like, "Oh, you can have a mirror." And I'm like, "What? I didn't get a mirror." Um and I know that's really cool. So you didn't really tear
1: I tore, like, just a little bit with my uh-huh. first, um, and so just had to get, like, a few stitches, but wow. it wasn't anything major, and then I didn't tear at all with my second baby.
0: Wow, and what kind of, did you have, like, an epidural, or?
1: I did have an epidural, wow. yes. that's amazing, them.
0: because I I know that a lot of times it's the opposite, like, a lot of women who have an epidural will tear more because they can't feel what's happening, so you're probably right, it probably was totally being able to see what was happening, where the baby was at, and I think that can give some kind of, like, a reassurance, too. I know I wish mm-hmm. that that would have been so cool to be able to, like, actually see. My husband mm-hmm. might not agree with me. He He's like, I'll stay by your head. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> yeah. I do have another weird note about epidurals, though. Okay. It's because you're talking about, like, myths and stuff with that. So, everybody always told me, which is one of the reasons I never wanted to get one, mm-hmm. was that if you get an epidural, you're going to be pushing for, like, hours and hours mm-hmm. and hours and hours. So, that was not my experience with wow. either child. I, I pushed them both out in less than 10 minutes. Wow. So, I don't know. That's just... How long did you wait? Though. How long
0: did you wait to get the epidural?
1: Um, It was pretty early on with both of them. But what was weird about my experience So both of them, I like my water broke like zero contractions before anything water broke wow so like the classic what them. you so see in the actually movies I even know what it feels like to be like in like normal warm-up labor like
0: wow that's, like. that's so. so cool yeah I so with Miles I um I was actually I was scheduled to be induced because he was measuring small and so they were worried I had some placenta issues Um, and so I was scheduled to be induced, but an hour or like a couple hours before we were going to the hospital and I had been praying like, God, I want to have this baby on my own. Please let me go into labor. It was a couple, it was like 10 days early. So I was like, I know that this is probably not going to happen, but I really want to go into labor. And so an hour before I was scheduled to go to the hospital, I had started, I was starting to have contractions. And so when I got there, they were like, I told them, I was like, I've been having contractions. Can I, can we please wait to do the actual like induction? So I was scheduled to be induced, but I never actually, um, had to have like Pitocin or anything. I, it all progressed on its own. And so that was like a long labor and my water didn't break. Actually, I think that the doctor broke my water or they put a balloon. That's what it was. I don't know if you've ever, so they put a balloon and the balloon like broke my water. And, um, but that was like, I had been in labor for, I was probably halfway through at that point when my water broke. Um, and then with Birdie, I, it was way quicker and I, it was like the classic, we're at home, I started having contractions and I, you know, we went to sleep and I told Brian, like, I'll wake you up if, if I can't sleep anymore. And so sure enough at around midnight, it was like such a classic, the classic overnight baby. At midnight, I woke up, I couldn't sleep. And then so my mom came over, we were working through them. And then at about 5am, I my water broke. And then we were like, okay, let's go to the hospital. And then we had her by like, 930 that morning. So um, it was like such a classic. It's so funny how like, you're expecting, (laughs) I feel like at least for me, you're expecting like, Okay, my water's gonna break, and then I'm gonna know, and that's what's gonna happen. And doesn't always happen that right. way. <laughs> it
1: doesn't always happen that way. And also, if your water breaks, it doesn't also it mean, it doesn't doesn't mean baby. it's happening. <laughs> for me, it's like my water broke both times, and we're like, okay, we're about to have this baby because my contractions were like so bad yeah. as soon as it happens. And we get to the hospital, and I'm one centimeter oh. with both of them. And that's so, so, that's the other thing.
0: Like, yeah, that's like. Just because you're having bad contractions doesn't mean like
1: doesn't mean you're almost
0: there. Yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. I know. I like I had no idea. I didn't even know the word effaced until I was like in labor and they're telling me, Oh, you're you're such and such, and 80% effaced. And I'm like, tell me what that means. My mom, she's like telling me everything. She's like Oh, that means that you're, you know, you you have to dilate and, you know, she's explaining it all to me. And so it's just funny how every experience is so different. And so So I think it's easy to look back on it. Like, and maybe this is why we don't really share like the nitty gritty stuff. But we look back on it, I think, with rose colored glasses. And we're just like, oh, it was beautiful. Birth is beautiful. It's wonderful. But it really is the hardest thing that I think most people would say it's the hardest thing that we go through as moms. And um, I think we've talked, you know, we've talked a lot about all the things today. We've talked about cramping. We've talked about, um, I don't know if we did talk about this, but like it might take you a couple days to poop and the first poop is gonna be really hard and scary and you're gonna feel like your insides are falling out And just know you'll get through it and you'll see it through to the other side. Take your time. time, Don't rush it. Take a book with you. Take your phone with you. (laughs) Um, Like, you know, all these things that it's like we can sit here and tell you and we can tell you our experiences. And I think that there is solidarity in that and there is comfort in knowing our experiences Um, But just know ultimately that whatever you're experiencing, whatever you are going through or will go through, that you're not crazy and it's normal and that you've got people who are around, gather people around you who are going to be there for you and support you and love you through it. And I hope that you guys enjoyed this conversation today. Thank you so much, Ashley, for joining us. and. Um, for giving us some insight into what you've experienced. And I just think it was such such an ordained by God thing that we both kind of have opposite experiences in a lot of our postpartum stories. So thank you again so much for being on here. And thank you guys for listening. And we will see you next week. Hey mama, real quick before we go, if this podcast brought value to you today, could you do me a favor and head over to iTunes and leave a review? I love hearing about what God is doing through this podcast, and it would mean so much to me to know how you are enjoying it. Praying joy, unspeakable joy over you today and always, and praying that you face whatever life brings at you with the joy of the Lord as your strength. I'll
1: see you next week.